0: Here we are, just winging it. Still. 2.0. Still winging. I don't know Ooh, why. why. is what? it 2.0? What are we know. upgraded? We have another guest, we, so we, that's dude, good. We have guests up the I'm just uh, feeling Palooza upgraded right today, Patrick. Me too. Do you ever Actually, feel Actually, I'm feeling way? downgraded because I'm tired yeah. as shit. <laughs> what's because going Because Henry is still having these sleeping issues, and last night, oh man, like it, it's it's just it's just every night we go to bed with a sense of doom, or we're like, "This is I, gonna be bad." I know exactly. This what is you gonna mean. be bad, and it's like so
1: rough. Do you know? It's that thing where you are so excited to go to sleep, but at the same time, you don't actually want to go to sleep because you know that you're going to be in for like a lack of sleep, right?
0: And and that like that the immediate gratification of falling asleep will be. Erased within three hours by just the horror of I'm realizing sorry. that it's one in the morning. This has
1: been like a saga for you guys. It's
0: been crazy. Yeah, we were figuring out last night as we were lying awake getting kicked. We were like, you know what? It's, <laughs> it's been like it's been a month of this with, with uh, Henry. I don't know what's what's going on. But we gave him his big boy bed, so we changed his configuration. He Henry has, has his, a big boy bed? He's got his big boy bed, he's got a Spider Man wow. sheets. It's the real deal. Oh my god. Uh, he's not using it very well, but you yeah know. <laughs> <laughs> but it could it would theoretically so be. So what a is he doing baby. when he wakes up? What's what's going on? So well so keep in mind Jude, our other son, is in the room with him. So mm-hmm. and and Jude was like, Daddy, like Henry's screaming his head off at night like can can, can I said can that? he not be in there with can me he because not be? I'm I'm so tired and I'm like, Yeah, I'm not gonna like He you actually know. came to you and said that. Yeah, like, he's, he's like he's so screaming tired. his head off It's like very oh, cute the way he That's said adorable. It. And it's true. It's like pretty pretty unfair to a four year old who has to oh, go to yeah. school in the morning to be keeping him up all night. And then you know, of course, then we also have to keep going up and back and forth down the hallway and, and retrieving him and doing shit. So so we didn't even try that last night. We were like, yeah. the first time he makes a noise, we're just gonna bring him in our room. Totally. So of course, he made a noise thirty minutes after we all went to bed. You know, and we were like, well, here it goes the entire night. And so we're like, it just in the darkness. Like I fell down the stairs last night because I was oh, trying to get a bottle. I mean, it was. It wasn't like a big. It was the kind of thing where I just like sat there and just like laughed about it in the darkness of the house. Like the cats, like just staring at me, like you fucking idiot. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah,
1: but the cats always stare at you and say that. <laughs> that's true. That's Anyone. all they do. That's all they do. They're just analyzing every human being and saying you fucking. You idiot. fucking idiot. So uh, yeah, and it was one of those nights. And I
0: looked at my sleep tracker this morning. It said I got an hour of sleep. I don't. I don't think it was. Quite this is that why bad, I don't but...
1: track my sleep. It's too depressing. It's so depressing.
0: How have you been? What's uh, up? Oh, that's rough, though. Well,
1: you look pretty okay. good considering.
0: I know. I, f- I feel weirdly uh, awake right now. Yeah, I, f- I, I think so. I haven't had lunch yet. After I'm going to eat, uh, then I'm going to like the adrenaline will wear off, and then I'm just going to fall see. Apart. For
1: me, it's the opposite. As soon as we talked about with the food episode, as soon as I yeah. eat, I'm going to be like filled with life again. Yeah, if I'm but, filled with death. Yeah. yeah. Well, all right. You don't look like it yet, so that's good.
0: <laughs> I'm doing, how am doing. Have you been? been I'm good? doing
1: okay. I'm a little tired. Luke, uh, he's been sleeping better. He now his thing is like waking up super early for his like full how wake. How up. How early is super early? I'm like five five thirty. Um, which is a little ridiculous, but I'm not going to complain to someone who, you know, hasn't slept at all.
0: I mean, it could be worse. It could be... It could be... Let me tell you You're right now, that John. Gentler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It
1: could be worse. Um, you didn't even use any expletives to talk to me there. That was good. Fucking you really, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it. Um, so I'm doing pretty good. I... I uh, Well, on the other side of things, Grace has strep again, so I guess I should mention that. Yeah. See, I I almost didn't even mention it because it's just like a thing now. That's a big thing. Yeah. So this is probably the fourth or fifth time this season. Oh, my gosh. Um, So we're probably going to have to go to ENT soon and, and see what's going on there. Who knows? I mean, kids at daycare, they just like pass around stuff. You know, back and forth. But she, even just comparing Luke and her, it's been amazing how I expected a really bad winter for him because you know he was just a little baby, Mm -hmm. and uh, he didn't get sick. He got sick once, whereas Grace several times through the season. And you know, you'd think she has a built-in, built-up immune system at this point.
0: But that's her weakness. That's her Achilles heel, right? I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Streptococcus. Yeah, and
1: and those uh, antibiotics. I feel like they're at this point. Her, uh, the strep is just like, I don't give a fuck about amoxicillin. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know what bring I mean? It! Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. So they have to like switch up the antibiotics. Oh, it's the worst. Um, yeah. And, and you know, she's a trooper about it and, and uh, it's fine. You just like. She's deal a tough with it. cookie. She is a tough cookie. She's a tough cookie. Yeah.
0: I think so. Yeah. Um, you know, something, uh, something else about passing things around at preschool uh, that we should talk, or at daycare or preschool, that we should talk about is today- it poop? At, at, you know, it has oh, okay. to do with gender mainstreaming things, which we're going to talk about shortly with our first share We sure chance. are. Before we move on to that, though, I have one more quick anecdote that I want to share yeah. based on our current events. Mm-hmm. So, we recently came upon uh, a full enclosure setup for a bearded dragon, which is a reptile. Yes, I that saw this on awesome. Facebook, yeah. Um, super, super cool. Basically, my manager- had taken care of, of her own bearded dragon for, like, 20 years and was, like, very attached wow. to it. And it died over the... I don't know I'm laughing about it. It died over the last weekend. Aww. And she was, like, horrified. It was, like, a very 20 big loss. years, wow. Yeah, so she was like, hey, can you guys come? Because she lives in the same town we live in. She's like, you want to come by and just, like, pick up all the stuff? I'll clean it out for you. You know, the boys might like to have a reptile, you know? So we were like, yeah, sure. You Hell know? yeah,
1: they'd like to have a reptile?
0: Yeah, so we got one, and he's A colossal like because there's there's like no reptiles right now because there's some kind of a shortage from wholesalers and breeders yeah huh so what's going
1: on there all the reptiles are like fuck this world i'm not doing (laughs) yeah they're like we're
0: figuring out that you're just going to put us in a cage and feed us fucking crickets and vegetables yeah and we're done with that (laughs) so there was one bearded dragon in the area and it turns out he's like the size of a small car he's like just so big but he's so cute um and we're getting him and this guy who we'll call uh I'll call him Gruff. It's just gonna be gruff. His name, gruff. Yeah, the guy, at the pet that store. That immediately name, puts a visual in my brain. Well, he so he had slick back hair. Mm-hmm. He was smoking heavily, you know, outside yep, the front of the pet right. store. He's like, "You guys, <laughs> oh my God, it's the David. It's the David
2: the Pink pain-killer pain-killer voice. Killer? Is he back?
0: I'll, I'll switch his voice up because I can't remember what he sounds like. But, but he's like, yeah.
2: "Yeah, you guys, uh, you looking no, for a reptile? That's not gruff. Lad. That's not right. gruff.
0: Are you guys looking for a reptile? All right, that's and good. And we're like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, well, come on in. I got some reptiles for you." I expected him to give me a massage after this. <laughs> this is uh this relates to the David the story. With the reptiles. Start. Right, with yeah, that could which, be which interesting. Was very romantic. Um
1: like the reptiles would do a little like uh just crawling on your back kind of thing. Yeah, it's skittering horrifying, around. Actually. Just, oh yeah, just, it does. just
0: licking, yeah. Ugh, this, this, yeah, yeah we'll, no. we'll move on from this. Move image. on, please. So he's like he's like, Come on inside, you know, I'll show you what's up. And he gives us the the bearded dragon, we spend some time with it. He's like, watch the tail, watch the tail, make sure it's it's doing well, it's doing well. I think he likes you. I think this is a what good does the fit. tail do? Does it wag or something? Uh, well, you know if the, if the lizard rests its tail on your arm it means it feels secure so it's like finding security uh, it's, like, it's like laying it's but of course so because this do? thing is so fucking big its tail That's reaches like my, litmus like, test. my like so neck.
1: You, did you like put it on Jude and then it, to see what his tail it does it loves Jude really yeah,
0: yeah. oh yeah he's a huge they have a very special connection. and it's kind of Jude's pet so like yeah. they have a very special connection i saw that great photo sweet. of just like them
1: face to face no i was got to get a polar for that <laughs> yeah thing. seriously so
0: anyway so so everything's going great and then he's like you know you guys uh something you should probably know about oh, before no. you walk home with this thing and, of course, by this point, like, you know, everything's in the Everybody's car. Everybody's already We've attached. Got, everything's of course you yeah, got, waits. like, all the food ready. Yeah. And he's like, because there are severe carriers of salmonella, if a child under the age of five becomes affected, their insides will liquefy and they will die within what? hours. And I'm like, oh, thanks. Thanks, Gruff, for telling me this. Gruff. He's like, uh, he's like, so, like, if they, like, touch the lizard and then they touch their own mouth with it, consider them dead. <laughs> I'm like, well thanks, no. thanks man. So he now saw you, like, wait a
1: minute, he saw you with the kids and he waited until the very end to say that. Yeah, the
0: kids were there with us. Yeah, and, and he's like he's like, between you and me? They could die. <laughs> and he's like, if you bring it, if you bring them to like a pediatrician, and you tell them they got this from a fucking lizard, that pediatrician's gonna go. I told you so. It's like he was so. Oh he was God. like just Like, don't let this happen. Was this
1: like a liability thing? or Was he like, you yeah, don't tell exactly. the pediatrician? Yeah, it was yeah, me.
0: Yeah, you did not get it from gruff. Yeah, exactly. The reptile. Dude. You don't know no gruff. it's mean, just blew a cigarette ash. You know. So, anyway, so it was so a pretty are you intense do? experience. What, what well, is so, we that? get home and we're like so paranoid. So, I go to the CDC website and yeah. I'm like following all like the guidelines about like what kind of sanitizing agents we have to like have on hand. And we're like playing with, with the rep because they like, love to be handled, you know. But of course, they're, apparently, they're nuclear weapons of salmonella yeah, if like, they're apparently. missing. So, we like we've been so paranoid. You about just dip this them in uh, some antibiotic uh, soap every yeah, time. Yeah.
1: Antibiotic soap? That's not the right word. Antimicrobial.
0: Yeah. Which we actually did, we did buy anti- special antimicrobial soap for this fucking thing. So anyway. you have to
1: cover him every time? You have to bathe him in that every time someone wants <laughs> not, to touch
0: not, him? We're getting, we're getting better about it. But I'm going to save the rest of the story for our Irrational Fear episode. But I Yikes. do have to say, they are wonderful animals. Although apparently they're you know nuclear weapons. They're wonderful and I totally recommend everybody get one for their kids. Just don't let them touch them or uh, they'll explode. And, uh, yeah.
1: You might want to not get a lizard. <laughs> is what he's really saying, right? That's now. that's what I'm. That's what you're I'm listening to this episode. Yeah, just so, think, uh, think twice about it. Yeah, just
0: just think twice about it. Okay. So should we move on? I think so. Let's do it. All right. Just one hack. All right. So we're back with our second guest ever, which who's a, a very good friend of ours, named Sebastian Milano. Uh, Sebastian has a very interesting background in gender studies, and he's a uh, a big part of our organization. As Gemma was, he's a colleague of Gemma's actually. Um, and a colleague of mine, I've uh, worked with him on a number of projects now, and he has a lot to say about um, gender and, and feminism and raising feminist kids, and he's actually in a uh, an interesting position right now as a father-to-be, imminently as well. So we're really excited to have him on board, and uh, how are you doing, Sebastian?
2: Good, good. I'm really happy to be here with you guys. It's It has been really nice to hear you and like play your podcast while I'm painting the house and getting ready for the... The kid to come and running, training for a marathon. Thank you for the shout out. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. We're happy to have you
1: listening. And, you know, I was just thinking we're so lucky to be working with so many people who uh, either are parents or like are in really interesting positions to talk about, you know, the things that we care about. Um, We could probably keep the show going indefinitely
0: with just guests that we work with. I think the more guests, the better, so we don't talk as much. I think that's the idea, is, is less of us <laughs> and just have other people. Yeah. I mean, the feedback we're receiving right now is basically just bring on other people to talk, please, for the love of God. <laughs> right, right. Um, and I should also say, Sebastian runs this really interesting uh, Facebook, well, it's a social page slash group called Defying Gender Roles, which I, I hope you can... Actually, why don't we start there? You want to tell us a little bit about Defying Gender Roles? Sure.
2: Yeah. So Define Gender Roles, you can go and look for it on Facebook. It's a social advocacy group that started as a off online thing, basically, because I was very interested interested in looking at gender, but not only in buckets of groups, like if you're talking about women's political participation or, you know, raising feminist boys, but how is like you don't have the gender moment of the day, right? You're not walking around like, oh, gender, gender. No, it's, it's a matter of something. It's how do you connect the dots in life? And what I was trying to do with this group is to make it visible, is how gender shape the way in which we live. And now that we make it visible, how can we reflect Critically about those elements, so that started back in 2015, and it's around you know 2,600 members. We have moved from offline to online activities. We have done something for Father's Day. You can check out the Men Up T-shirt, and I'll talk to you more about what that concept of yeah, Men Up and what are that pretty means.
0: Sweet, I gotta say, I, I think I'm gonna get one this year, actually.
2: So yeah, thank you. That'll be cool. So it's it's trying to make things visible in a way that people can access that information and reflect critically. I'm not gonna tell you how to live your life. I just want to give you information so you can have the opportunity to, you know, take a step back and see how different things affect the way in which you think, act, and you know, as as fathers, is how that that translates into our children.
1: Yeah, and it's such a powerful role to play. I mean, again, we so often in this show have talked about the, just the importance of awareness because until we're aware of you know aspects of parenting or living our lives, there's no way to even change it, you know, or even begin to think about it, uh, which is so obvious, right? But. I think in with gender in particular over the last, even the last decade, um, the awareness of gender and the way that people are talking about it has really been transformational. And so uh, I'm really interested in hearing more about your your thoughts on it, uh, especially now as you're about to be a new dad, you know, and it's like putting some of that into practice because parenting is that place where you get to not just live out um, the way that you want to, you know, approach any issue, but actually to teach someone else or, or, you know, model it for them.
2: Yeah, d- definitely. I think that now everybody's looking at me like, huh, gender specialist, huh? we'll see how that boy turns out. So I think that that's going to be the the big challenge. But also, it's, and I think that it has to do a lot with this issue in terms of raising feminist boys is when I was thinking about how to, how to bring it in a way that, that, that resonates with you and with your audience is to think about as a leap of faith. Because you just you're not gonna know until you know your kids are older in many ways. So it's how do you start setting up the conditions for raising boys in a way that they're you know they're respectful, they understand the diversity of sexuality orientations, etc. In a way that centers in their dignity and humanity of others, but in a way that you can explain it when he's four, five, six, seven, but he might be confronted with those things when. You know they're in high school or in college, so it's it's kind of a leap of faith, but it's trying to set up good foundations for something that you hope to see growing, but that is beyond your control as a man, as a dad. So
1: absolutely, and I think what I'm why I'm so excited about this conversation is that uh, so my firstborn, you know, is a girl, and there's so much around uh, raising girls these days and how to, you know, obviously break away from the stereotypical experience for young girls where you're supposed to introduce them to certain kinds of toys and colors and all of that. And I've been very conscious of it as a, as a dad in particular. Um, when it comes to boys, uh, there. Are, I mean, you've shared some really great articles with us and and it was helpful to read those but generally there isn't as much you don't hear this as much as a to- as a topic right now about raising feminist boys you know and and we know that how important that is right um, as dads now so so yeah I guess I'd love to hear more about your thinking there and uh, as you're thinking about how to raise your own son now
2: yeah no I I think that you're right and it has to do a lot also with the notion that gender is about women it's, it's very limiting and when you think about some of the issues that women are fighting for, I'll just give you a basic one, gender-based violence. It's like men are totally absent of that conversation. And women wouldn't be beaten if they were not, in the vast majority of the cases, a man behind. So it's like we're talking about you know, the flu, but we're not talking about the virus. It's like, oh no, let's not talk about the virus. Let's focus about coughing. It doesn't make sense. So we need to start thinking about what are the root causes of these kind of issues. And I think that we're starting to see that in order to change the way in which power relations operate in society, we need to rethink what it means to be a man and how do we do that. And the reality of things is that we look around and say, like, well, we kind of don't know yet. And for me, it has been surprising to see and to learn that this is a conversation that has been happening for the past 50, 60 years. And there are books that you look at from 1970s of how to raise... It boys and girls equally, and they're talking about the same things we're talking now. So it's, mm. aren't we learning about this? Uh, or or is, is the way in which society is put together currently fostering on those divisions because, you know, it's easier to sell the same thing packed in blue and pink. It is good. It is it, from from a targeting from 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 targeting advertising is much better to say you know these things are for guys and for boys and build a line of products around that and the other way around. So.
0: And indeed, uh, in, in one of the articles you shared with us, which we'll put in the show notes, um, there's data that suggests that, um, that toys are more gender bifurcated than ever before, actually. So even though we've had this, main, you know, comparative mainstreaming of gender issues in society, and even though we're more aware of it, there's – for some reason, marketing is even more set up than ever to sort of re- reinforce this binary gender idea, you know.
1: Yeah, that, that's such an interesting point, too. I hadn't actually thought of it in terms of the marketing uh, side of things, and it makes so much sense because we know how much marketing shapes the way that we live our lives these days, and we know that with tools like Facebook and digital marketing, uh, it's been more and more segmented so that as marketers, I mean, I, I look at this you know, from the Oxfam side and working with marketing, um, that precision level of segmentation allows you to spend – marketing dollars efficiently and reach your audience. So it's like a natural, you know, it's all about the return on investment, right? You bring it back to that. And if you know that you can build up a particular segment and market base to them, it's more efficient. And so that's really interesting to think of it in those terms and the role that marketing actually can play in shaping our, uh, I guess, how we understand gender is what you're saying.
2: I, and I agree with, with you too, on it. and actually it does. If you look at the way in which we think about notions for, let's say, masculinity, you think about the men. And that guy, the ta, 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 da, and that guy alone, you know, stoic. That's, it's, it's the way we shape our notions of what it means to be a man. And what is surprising is that when you start looking at when does that process start? And you're like, oh, when they're, you know, when they're at school and they like a girl, so they pull her hair. And it's like, it's okay, that's how they like, you know, that's how he shows he likes you. And we normalize all these things, but it starts very early.
0: As early as age three, right? Isn't
2: that the, the idea of 3 uh, In 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 terms of their own cognitive assumption of their roles, yes. But in terms of the setup of what being a boy or a girl means. And I'm telling you because I've been going through this experience for the past 35 weeks since we knew uh, Megan, my wife, was pregnant. Um, I was going to Colombia to see my parents where, where they live. And she was in week eight, 16, 17, and we already knew the sex of the baby and they were freaking out trying to know what the sex was. And I was like I'm not going to tell you. We don't know yet. Yeah, I'm isn't it amazing
1: you. just the obsession up front with even just wanting to know, which I'm not I'm guilty of too. Like I, you know, with Grace we actually we wanted to find out. We tried to find out and twice we couldn't. So we ended up being <laughs> a surprise for us um because the uh, the what is the scan called? Ultrasound. The ultrasound um, wasn't showing it, which happens, you know, every now and then. Uh-huh. But uh, it is so interesting how much we put on that. And there's this, these big reveal parties that people do now. And, yeah, yeah.
2: And on and on that yeah. regard, for instance, when I when I told my parents, and they were freaking out, and I'm like, "Why are you freaking out?" And they were because we don't know what to buy the baby. I'm like, "You buy whatever you want to buy the baby, because if it." But they're like, it's blue or pink, and I'm like, you have yellow, you have green. <laughs> Right, but it's it's how those constructions set us into a path. And I understand it as humans, we wanna simplify things. So for us it's like blue boy truck, easy, right? But what we're realizing is that it it doesn't work that way because in the moment that you wanna follow that path, what you end up doing is limiting the options for boys or for girls, right? So you say, we wanna raise feminist boys and those boys need to be connected with their emotions as a, as a way of allowing them the language and the opportunity to learn what it means to be upset what it means to be worried, what it means to be concerned, what it means to be ups- any feeling. But what we tend to do in society is to do kind of like control delete on the boys and say like shut up boys don't cry, men up, tough it up, chin up. And what it's saying is that we're not validating your feelings. And you internalize that message and you stop saying like, OK, this is the way in which society is going to value me. Then I'm not going to portray those emotions. And then, you know, if you're in a heterosexual relationship, you are you know in high school, college. And it's like, oh, but John is not open. He doesn't tell me. Of course not, because John has gone through a process in which he has been. Don't open up. About your feelings?
1: Yeah, I was struck by in one of the articles. Uh, it talks about how you know a baby through toddler they the cry, they cry the same amount whether girl or boy, and it's I, I forget exactly what age, but you can see exactly where it starts to break away, you know, and it, because of course this isn't an innate thing, right? That boys cry less or something, mm-hmm. um, and it's as someone now you know Lucas seven months old, and it just uh, <laughs> I just have this gut reaction to that, you know, how sad is that that like. We are raising kids who at a certain age just feel like they can't even be totally open emotionally, you know? And and, I mean, I guess to an extent we've been raised that way. I mean, I guess I'm interested in hearing about your experiences as fellow men. Uh, Does that resonate with you? Like your emotional spectrum being sort of uh, collapsed in that way?
2: Yes, and I think you, you're getting to the core of, of, of the conversation, where, where I want to get us to, because I think that the articles that I share with you that you can share with, with the people that listen to this podcast are really good. But it's also like, and I translate that to other walks of life. It's like, how to lose, lose, lose 10 pounds in five days? Yes, good tips, right? How to, so it's, it's good to have those kind of immediate actions that you can take or set you up in the right direction of what you want to achieve. But just as you were saying, at the end of the day, when you're raising boys and you're in a household, they look up to you. You are the reference point. So what that means is that in order to raise feminist boys, you have to look at yourself first and say, hmm, do I, w- what is feminism for me? Do I hold any feminist values? And sometimes the, f- the word feminist creates allergy, which shouldn't. Um, but when you talk about feminist values, you're talking about you know, I understand that there's no separation between my private life and public life. Like, most of the gender-based violence is justified that way. It's like, oh, no, 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 he's, he's great as a manager. Sometimes he beats his wife, but that's their private life. It's like, no, 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 no. From that standpoint of values, it's like, no, there's no separation. I understand power. It's like, oh, so she's in a lower position of power than him, and he tells her to stay late. Mm, would he do that with a female, with a male colleague as well? So it's understanding the power dynamics, It's assuring that there's no separation between your private life and your public life. And also there's the reflexivity or the critical reflection, the saying, huh, so am I reacting in this way? I'm flipping out because that's how I was raised, not because I think this is right. And it is profound because it takes you, it's like when you're looking into a well and you look down and that down is yourself and you're trying to figure out what are the things that are down there that you can't see but are informing what you do. And in my case, I, I grew up in Colombia in the 90s where you know, value, violence was still pretty acute, where there was a strong notion in that context of being a man is that you stand up, that you, if you need to fight, you fight. If you need to stand your ground, you do. And if you don't, then you are relegated, ostracized. And I'm not that kind of person, but when I was 14, and I was put in a situation in which I had to fight, somebody like physically fight, I did. And I beat the crap out of that guy. And I still feel bad about it. Because I was saying, I was feeling that I let myself down as a person, that I engaged in something like violence that I didn't want to engage. But socially, everybody was like, well done, man, you did it. You proved yourself. Nobody's going to mess up with you. And I was like, so if this means that I'm a man, and I don't want to be this, then I'm not a man, then who am I? Especially in this connection of like, if you are a man, you need to be heterosexual. Because that's how we're built. It's like, oh, you remember you like guys? It's like, oh no, so you're not gonna.
0: Like, not really a man. Right, right.
2: you're like real, real man, <laughs> right? right? So, so I think that for me, there the, has been a journey of trying to understand better what are the things that I value about the way in which I was raised. You know, being respectful. Not a gentleman. I think the gentleman notion hides some of that because it's like, oh, I opened the door. So I'm a real man. It's like, no, you're a decent human being. Can you just open the door for somebody, <laughs> that's right? That's setting the bar pretty low, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. Right, and that's, right. And I think that that's right. one of the problems is that for men, the bar is very low.
1: Oh, and I think this plays out in parenting so much, too, these days, even still. Uh, Ali Wong actually had a great segment in her latest, it's on Netflix now, actually, the special, uh, where she talks about how she gets this question all the time of, you know, like, if you're out performing as a comedian,
0: who's at home, who's with, at the home with the kids, <laughs> yeah.
1: you know? And it's like, uh, well, let's see, she has a partner who certainly could be home taking care of them. She says TV, actually, is the answer, but as a, <laughs> as a joke, of course, because she's a comedian. But um, But it is amazing how the bar is so low as a dad. So, like, when people see, you know, a dad, even just out alone with a kid— it's like amazing, you know. Have you gotten that reaction? It's like people don't like explicitly say like, "Wow, you're an amazing dad." Um, actually, in some cases, they they, they sort of do, do right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and and if that's a mom, it's just like that's expected, you know. But I think w- what you're hitting on here, of course, is so core uh, to this issue of of gender, understanding gender, but also just a- any element of parenting. I think we we have come across this as sort of a thread through our topics thus far that we're modeling it, you know, and it's like we can say and preach as much as we want to. But at the end of the day, these are little beings who are just like absorbing every single thing that we do, which, by the way, is a shitload of pressure on us to do the right thing <laughs>
0: in all cases. Mm. And yeah. something that, uh, that I'm struck by is how, uh, how difficult it is, how much effort it takes to not to put the effort that you would have put, been putting into teaching into embodying and being aware of, because for me, like before I had kids, I remember you know obviously Micah and I had talked about making sure that they were feminists and make sure that they were just allies in general, making sure that they were aware of other people's you know rights and 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 things like that. And so I had all I'd done a lot of you know research into this and a lot of reading, so I was like really going to be proactive about it. And then it's like the kid comes out, and you, you'll see this, but you'll be more educated about it than I am. But you'll you'll see a little bit of it. And all of a sudden, there are so many just day to day biological needs that need to be met, and so many just life things that have to happen that a lot of the more pedantic aspect of this is how you treat women you know if if you're concerned for their rights and this is what gender equity <laughs> means and this is how you look out for you know this is how you become an ally things like that sort of start to dissipate and then you realize that you have to start putting that effort into modeling into a analyzing yourself continually and analyzing your relationship with your partner and analyzing the way that you're the things that you're projecting and then and and fixing those if necessary And also forecasting those – or sorry, broadcasting those to your kids and so being – trying to vocalize it, you know, because I feel like something that I personally was really afraid of initially before having kids was I didn't want to be preachy about this. I didn't want it to be like now in this story, Susie is a girl and that's why the author who was out of date said she should be the one making the food, you know. Um, And I didn't want to do that because I know that I bristle at things like that too. Like when people are like, well, you were wrong because you assumed, you know. And I don't think Mm -hmm. it's necessarily productive. That being said, I'm finding more and more that you do have to do that because there are so many implicit things in society that are just not even addressed that we have to say things like, um, you know, this author lived in a time when it was more assumed that women would be doing this. Um, you know, for a lot of reasons that we don't have to get into, but we're going to change this character's name like we talked about in the books episode. You know, n- now the, the guy character is going to be the one making the food because men can do that as well. And there's nothing wrong with that. And the woman would be the one fighting the dragons, you know. Um, so it, in, in my personal life, it's just it's taken a lot of questioning my behaviors and my assumptions, making sure that I'm being clear about them so that the kids are aware that we're making substantive um, efforts in that regard.
2: Yeah, no, I thank you, thank you for sharing that, because I think that's the ongoing struggle. You can revise your behaviors, you try to be better, you try to do things in a better way that reflects your values, and you, go, and you mess up, and you end up to a point in which you say, like, oh, mm-hmm. did, I, did I think about First, you say, like, did I say that joke? Did I say it all out loud? Then you say, did I think of, I didn't say it, but I thought about it. Why? So it's like, there's always that room for improvement. In terms of what you were mentioning about the division of labor within the household as a unit, I think that that's, that's natural sometimes. And it's just life. Sometimes your partner has, uh, is, is doing crazy stuff and you are, have more time and it's like you pick up the slack. And it's the other way around. It's just to say, you know, in the long run, we're going to be as even as we can. And that's okay. With, with my wife, that was a conversation because sometimes she was like, we need to be 50% equal. Sometimes we engage on Excel sheet. We put all the tasks Who likes to do this? Who hates to do that? And how long does it take? And we came up, you know, a day working on this, and I was like, this is too much. But it sets the tone. It sets that you would be able to have those conversations, you know, with the way that now we think it's funny. But it helped us to figure out that we'll be okay. Because when it comes to the nitty-gritty, We'll figure it out.
1: Wow, I'm, I'm just like amazed by your organization skills that you're, uh, you know, th- that just avoids all the passive-aggressive resentment that goes on. <laughs> you know, I'd rather just like give Bethany a stare or something. <laughs>
2: I'm, I'm
0: kidding. <laughs> that garbage ain't going to take itself out. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> so on, the, on, on that one, we there are things that nobody likes to do. Yeah. Nobody likes to do. So the commitment was that we do them together because we just don't like them to do. Um, and, and the other thing we, I mean, I think that, in my case, Megan, my wife, has been very patient with me because I come from a Latino household where I was useless until I lived on my own when I was 24. Didn't know how to clean, didn't know how to cook, anything. Because in, in my culture, and this is why context is so important, you two are raising voice in, voices voice in America, I'll do the same. So what does that mean in our culture? Is it sports? Is voice through sports? Is it about uh, the people they engage with? Is it about the messages that they see on us in terms of what it means to be a man? So in my culture, it's like I was a king. I still get to my grandma's house and I get like like a, a liter glass of juice and I'm like, I can't drink all of that and eat. But she's like, no, you're the man in the house and you're here. So it's, and on the flip side is how do I get, how do I give my grandma what she's seeking for me, which is, you know, the generosity of love into a liter of juice in a way it doesn't feel like preachy, like, well, you know, grandma.
1: (laughs) That sounds like some great juice. (laughs) That's power juice right there.
2: (laughs) So so it's about also saying, well, how do I reciprocate to that? And sometimes it's about understanding what's informing the other person. It's like your parents, I'm pretty sure you get a lot of judgment from them. I get a lot of judgment from my parents. Wait
1: till you raise your
2: kid, you're gonna get a lot of judgment. (laughs) And I'm getting more and more of that because, you know, this is happening. And so, so for me, it always takes a moment to come back and ask them and say, like, what it is that is important to you at this point? What is it you're trying to tell me so I don't need you, that you're nagging me, but you're giving me something that is valuable, that I should say, thank you, I won't use it, or thank you, thanks for letting me know? Um, I, I feel that with the boys, is something that is very important, especially at the household level, and even with friends, is that we, we, don't, we don't let ourselves to be vulnerable, And that is so rough because it's like I can think about the times I've seen my dad cry, and they're like three or four times.
0: Yeah, I think many of us can relate to that. I can count on one hand. Yeah, yeah.
2: But then think about the times you've seen your dad mad. (laughs) You (laughs) are (laughs) like a thousand. Yeah. And I and I think a lot about that when with with our son coming into this world now. It's like, am I gonna be able to just be who I am, and show him that you know being strong is being connected with your emotions and crying is normal and it's okay and it's a relief and sometimes you need to cry a lot and sometimes you don't and sometimes you need to cry and stop crying because you need to you know take a step back but that is just an emotion and that
0: is just something that happens and it's something to embrace and it's something that shows that you're feeling something yeah you know and and i i i'm a pretty emotionally available person you know i i cry all the time about things and a lot of the time it's because i'm in awe of a piece of, of art you know like something that i'm really feeling mm-hmm. and um Jude used to ask me questions about that a lot and be like why are you sad and i'd be like i'm not sad i'm just emotionally open to this experience and it, and it made me feel something really really powerful and like I'm kind of waiting for that to happen. With I guess he's probably still too young to have some sort of a reaction to something like that. He's not going to, like, look at a Picasso and start crying, <laughs> right, right? Right, right, But I would love for that to happen because one of my favorite things about myself is that I never went through that um, internalizing of pain and feeling, you know. Or maybe I did and I broke out of it. Maybe I did and I broke out of it again. I think that's it. I think after I stopped trying to be a, uh, what, what people expect of, of a man, you mm-hmm. know, I, I was able to be more open about that. Um, and so... And I actually make, and this is so, so ridiculous, but I make a point, If we're, for example, if we're watching a movie, and John and I have talked about this a little bit, a lot of movies for young people are just really emotionally intense, you know, like like a lot of, like, you know, Toy Story, you know, like yeah. a lot of films like that, they really make you feel things. And when I am, and, I, and if I am crying during it, I really make a point of, like, showing the kids that I am because I feel like I want to be like, hey, I'm not like, look at my I'm just tears! You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be With, home. like, a box of tissues. Like, look at this! Yeah, yeah look you know. at my pain! There's a bucket of tears next to right, you. Right, right. No, but it's it's more like, you know, like, showing, like, giving him a hug and letting him feel that my cheek is wet and being like, it's this is Okay it's a really healthy thing because it, you're feeling it and you're being open about it and you are not hiding the way you feel, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of what we call like toxic masculinity stems from this young obsession with not showing that to people, you know? And with being told that it's not cool or it's not appropriate.
2: Yeah, and it's, and it's, and it's a normalization of it. It's, it is okay. Because when we talk about, for instance, that, that role of men as being protectors, right? And as fathers, we might feel that more like we need to protect. But isn't it contradictory that in order to exercise that sometimes men exercise violence against their, against their children and their partners. And it's like, so you protect but you beat the crap out of your children and your wife? Physical and emotional. Yeah. Totally, both of them. So, um, and I, there is something I wanna, I wanna mention to you because I think it's important where we are. Because as, you know, as three heterosexual guys that have heterosexual partner and relationships and you know, I'm gonna be joining your club of having children soon, we sit in a very comfortable position and we can ignore many of the things that happen around you know everything that happens with lgbtqi issues with transgender kids with pronouns we 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 can exercise that privilege of sitting back and say okay yeah that conversation doesn't belong to us and i think that that's something that we need to challenge ourselves in terms of what it means to be a man it's to say we need to stand up for the right values if you think about it let's say that you say how to be a good catholic you have you know 10 things you don't do some rituals you perform it is the same if you want to, how do you raise a feminist boy? It's like, what are the underlying values? The feminist values are great for that. Um, you know, reflexivity, being able to be critical, critically reflected about what you're doing, separating the spaces. No, it's the same thing, private and public. Um, so it's, what is our role? Are we willing to do that? And sometimes it is difficult because I don't know if, if it has happened to you, but for me, there have been guys that I don't talk to anymore and friendships that I thought that were strong that were not because we're stood in different moments in life, in different, I don't want to say ideologies, but v- values-based, right? And and one of the feminist values is that the political is personal. And it becomes to so that. If it comes down to, for you, that, you know, showing your children that respect is for everybody, regardless of their sexual orientation, their gender diversity, the pronouns, their use, and you allow that people around you make jokes about this and you don't say anything, then, you know, they won't remember what you said. They will remember what you did. So I think that that's, I, I, that would be the challenge, right, for me to to, to share with you because it's something that I think about constantly as a, you know, Latino man, heterosexual, cisgender living in these countries. I can sit back in my privilege and say, like, well, it has nothing to do with me.
1: Yeah, I think it's such a great point. And again, I think of the awareness piece of this because there are the aspects that we look at and say, okay, you know, LGBTQ, that's not a movement that I should be involved in or I have a part to play in. So you can sort of acknowledge that. There's also all of these things that we go on in our day-to-day lives and go sort of blissfully unaware of as someone who are, is privileged, you know? And I think I think of the the experience of being a woman in this country as one of those that for so many men right now, <laughs> they're like... I, I can't tell how genuine this is, but they seem to be truly shocked by the fact that this is going has been going on, and they were just totally unaware of it. Like to the point now where you know you hear of men who are, are now afraid of being alone with women and um, ha- are having all these revelations where it's like, where were you during this whole time? You know, and I'm not saying that to be critical or judgmental. It, it's really it's the fact that when you're you're blinded by that privilege and you assume that everyone else's experience is as smooth as yours, you know? Or you just don't even, I guess, think to question it, so... I really appreciate the challenge
0: that you've given us. And a, a lot of people in the, in positions of privilege, like we are, um, will say things like, "Well, why even talk about it? It just creates more walls, you know. Like, like why even bring it up?" And and, and that's to me something that I've encountered quite a lot among fellow white cisgender straight guys. Is is be is you know they'll be like, "Well, like you know, the more you talk about feminism, the more you're just putting up a division between men and women." And and the and
2: the, it's like they're unaware of the underlying problem, so like they think that we're creating one,
0: yeah.
2: you know. But but and and I go through the same experience that you two have described. But again, it's just like we're talking about the, the colors. It's like we want to simplify things in life. So when you're talking about feminism and like pronouns, it's like I don't want to, I, I, I mean, it took me a long time to learn he, she. I don't want to learn they. And it's like, well, you should, because there's somebody whose dignity is being exploited and somebody's getting harmed because of that, because they don't feel that you're representing them in the way that they feel. So it, it is, it's is, it, It's rethinking how we Talk, how we act, where we put our efforts, and I think that that's that's something that it's gonna demand more and more from men. I don't think this is gonna go anywhere. I don't think that we're gonna be like, oh yeah, me too is over. There will be another hashtag in six months, and there will be more accusations. There will be more things that will just bring into the public scene what has been hidden in the private scene, right? so that's say like right. this doesn't happen. It does happen. It happens everywhere
1: and that's so, such an important moment in history right now that I think that all of this is coming to the surface because it's before it gets to the surface uh, we can continue to just play this you know blissful ignorance uh, across society but now it's out there you know there's no denying it and how we respond to that now um, you've got to you've got to make that decision on your own you know it's like <laughs> you're going to either be a good goddamn human being or you're going to ignore it and keep going on as if nothing's happening,
2: frankly, you know? Yeah, and and when you were talking about social media, right, it's like social media today allow us to know that there are different groups of men and people that are taking a different alternative stance on what it means to be a man. And we get encouraged by that, and that's something that I feel very proud of in terms of defined gender roles is to see that it's not me thinking crazy ideas at, you know, 10 p.m. before going to sleep. It's a lot of people that are trying to find other people to connect in those ways to see, you see there is a possibility to see the world in a, under a different lens and try to exercise um, a different kind of masculinity. Um, and this is nuance, right? This is not like, again, the good guys and the bad guys, we can fall into that easily. But when we look at things where it's a gray area, is like, well, he said this and she said that, and many people get uncomfortable about those conversations, right? Not everybody's Harvey Weinstein's. You have Aziz Ansari's. And then when that happens, you're confronted with your own reality, and you start thinking, am I Am I one of those guys behind a Me Too story? You start looking retrospectively at your life, and saying, why did it act that way? Why did I... And then we come back to the context, right? Well, in my context, being a guy, men hanging out with a lot of girls, and talking about things that I wasn't doing, but all the guys were talking about it. So it's reflecting critically about your past knowing that there are things you can't change but now you have an opportunity to bring that clarity into the life of the voice the voice that you raise the men in your family your friends so we can like pull each other a little bit further because we need to I mean like can women and and gender minorities afford for us to catch up I, I don't know I, I hope not I hope we don't we don't keep them waiting because it has been such a long period of time in which men have just slack off and if masculinity is about taking responsibility this is the moment to take responsibility this is a call It's not waiting 10 more years to see what else happens because we know what this is going to lead us
0: right and the slacking off isn't always uh, because of you know people are nefarious or because they or because they're like you know evil or because it's the bad people a lot of the time it's just because they're not aware of it and they're and they're lazy and they make stupid decisions and we've all been there with various things in our lives and and part of being uh, – part of manning up to me is taking personal responsibility for that and realizing times in my life when I, when I might have contributed to things, you know, like you were saying, conversations that might have been inappropriate or something or trying to like just analyze my own behavior and look for ways where I could have done things differently and, re- and realizing that and being – and owning it and being like, OK, if I hear these conversations happening in the, in the future, I'm going to like vocalize my discomfort with it, you know, um, and, and, and just looking for ways for myself to um, – to just be a better, a better guy.
2: Yeah, no, no. I think that that's super important. Sometimes it's about stepping up. Sometimes it's stepping back. Sometimes it's about creating a space for others. Sometimes it's opening a space for somebody else to have a platform that they don't have because the context, right? If if people are not being here because of their sexual orientation, but you have the power to shape it, like if you're a manager or if you're a boss in a in, in a company, right? So it's it's owning it. Um, and being responsible. I hear a lot of men saying sometimes things like, well, you can't say anything anymore. And it's like, yes, you can. You just need to be responsible about what you say. Wouldn't you do it otherwise? You just, just open your mouth and say whatever it comes. You have to be responsible. So that's the power you have that you, that you need to take in, into account the things you say um, and how that shape the environments in which you, you engage. Totally. So before we wrap this up, is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with based on your, you know, your experience and your position in life and what you're looking forward to? What what do you want to leave us with? So I I would say that be be kind with yourself. Be kind with yourself in, in the sense of this is a process that takes time. So be kind. Social media keep us thinking that everything happens so fast. It doesn't. Change takes time. But be relentless because this is urgent. So be kind, but with a sense of urgency. And I'm pretty sure I'll be reaching out to you guys for advice on poop, vomit, clothing, <laughs> all of those things. Because, we'll take care of the yeah. poop,
1: vomit, and clothing. You tell us how to raise feminist boys and we'll be in good shape. Yeah, yeah. although we're bad at the poop, vomit, and clothing. I mean, you know, to be fair, <laughs> we're not experts. barely getting by. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thanks so much for coming on, Sebastian. This Thank is, you, you given us a lot of profound things, really, to think about here. And uh, it'll only go downhill from here in terms of the conversation <laughs> we have. But thanks for coming on. <laughs> thanks, man. Thank, Thank you. Nice. Wow, where do we go from there after that conversation? Downhill, probably. Yeah, definitely. To be fair.
0: That was so illuminating. I I feel like we're having these guests on that are just really like...
1: Such eloquence and uh, the profound thinking as opposed to us, you know, it's just like...
0: Turkey stories and uh, bearded dragon Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, I think that was was great. And I I love how Sebastian is in this position of being about to be a parent because I can remember that quite vividly. Oh, yeah. Especially because he's so... um, he's such an expert in this area. For him, it's it's such an interesting perspective to be getting. But I I do remember really being so much more organized about, you know, how we're going to be (laughs) just everything, but just how we're going to be, you know, raising kids in a value based system back then. And then you realize how messy it is to raise children.
1: The way I like to think of it is you do all that work up front and it's like in your brain and in your thinking, you know, and so you may not explicitly explicitly be putting it to practice like Mm -hmm. in the way that you thought you would. But I mean, I think it's there, yeah, and it's like it comes out in the way that we generally treat our kids or the ways that we act. So I mean, that said, I think <laughs> the way I look to look at it is every day I'm fucking up something. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Right. Like that's just the starting point anyway. Right. Um, it's yeah. so true.
0: It's so true. Like there's like not a day where I go to bed and I'm like, man, I was a freaking all star yeah, parent. Exactly. There's, right. MVP like, I day. I wish I could go back and fix that. Right. Um, always, but it's it's messy business being a parent, you know. Yeah, it, it really is, and and like we say so many times on the show, it's an adaptive system where where we're always winging it. We're always trying to figure out what to do, and it's funny th- these issues that we've been talking about these last two episodes are really important. Mm-hmm. Like they're very societally urgent. And we're looking at them through the prisms of our children, you know, of these, like, these little kids who have no idea that we're sitting here talking right. about this right now. Right. Yeah. Or they putting under... so
1: much energy into it, you know, right. into thinking about this and Because for them,
0: it's just their experience. Like, they're only getting the, they're only receiving what we're doing. But yeah. for us, it's this constant sense of questioning what we're doing and trying to figure out if it's the right thing. So I feel like, um, because Jude is a little bit older um, than some of the other kids that we've, you know, been talking about on the show so far, I, I'm yeah. beginning to have more of a conception of what so he, what I'm getting at is, he is in a context now where I have much less control, and and my kid has of much course, less control, yeah. right? Because because he's around other kids all the time who are also kind of older and are a little more erudite and, and informed, and have things going on in their own households that we have no control over. So yeah, there's a that's lot of stereotypes. Of
1: parenting, man, that's tough, right? Because like yeah. you don't necessarily control the kids that they're around, and as we talk about, they model after everyone, right? Mm-hmm. So.
0: And it's um, not just teachers and parents; it's their peers. And that's a lot right. of the time, I mean, you remember being a kid. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of the time, we mirror after our we you know follow our peers more than we follow. Oh, our parents, exactly. Right? That
1: was in one of the articles as well. That right. you know, while the parenting role is really important, it's actually not the most modeled. You know, it's more right. the peer groups. Right.
0: And so, I, I guess what we can continue to do is to try to be open with them about what they're picking up with their peers and trying to like pick up on behaviors. It's not like Jude's going to come home one day and be like, "Hey, you know." so and so said that because you know that, that because she's a girl she's not allowed to play the game but what he will say yeah. is something like well i wasn't allowed to play with the girls today because it was it was puppies and kittens, and I wanted to be a race car. This is like actually a true story. Like he, yeah. he had this like ongoing feud with three of the girls in the class uh-huh. because they were playing puppies and kittens, and he didn't want to be a puppy or a kitten. He wanted to be a race car, but to play in the same game, uh-huh. and it became this huge issue with them. And 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 I'm like, I want to say to the girls, like, let him be his race car, like let right. him play with you. It's okay, yeah, you know?
1: yeah. But because
0: what uh, basically I just said, you know, don't make them enemies of you. like They don't understand where you're coming from. So try again tomorrow and maybe bring it up in the context of, I like puppies and kittens, but I like race cars more, and I feel more like a race car, and I, I can add to this game by bringing my own thing to it. Of course, it didn't help. I mean, it was still an <laughs> ongoing fight, but eventually they Should've let him play again. just put the puppies and kittens in the race car. <laughs> and then just driven into a wall. I mean, yeah, it would have been a good exactly. idea. Um, but I see things like that, even just in his preschool and soon-to-be kindergarten life, that um, there's so much of this, this gender normativity going on, which is really shitty. Like, for example, yeah. uh, when, when he first went into preschool, pink was one of his favorite colors. Mm-hmm. And so we bought him a ton of pink like gloves and hats, and he loved that. And, and we never we never even discussed the fact that it wasn't necessarily a quote-unquote boy color. Right. Why would Because you? It is, I have freaking pink T-shirts. Pink's an awesome color. Yeah. It should be <laughs> loved by everybody if they like the color pink. Exactly. Know? And then as soon as he started school, like he was like, I don't want to wear the pink gloves uh, anymore. You that's know?
1: heartbreaking to see. It Did is. So do you know what happened if there was an incident or was it just generally? No,
0: he just said that he felt like people were going to laugh at him about it. Oh, man. And, and I don't know where that disconnected. I don't know what happened, but I do know that he doesn't wear his pink gloves anymore, you know? Damn. I even can't even help, at home.
1: I can't help but, like, get a little bit, um, I guess frustrated would be the right word, with other parents in that situation. Because it's like, you know their kids didn't start with a preconceived notion of, you know, pink being bad or whatever. And and granted, they you know, their kids may not have learned it from them, but... Why do we have to live in a time still where parents get so hung up on this kind of thing of yeah. like the right colors or the right toys that they play with or whether they dress, you know, the way that they do? Or I, like I, don't, I just don't understand at a basic level when you have a human being that you love so much and you see them having sort of proclivities towards certain activities or dress or whatever. And uh, and you have to squash that. Like, yeah. why? Because, like, who you know? gives a shit. You know? Oh man, I had this moment in. Um, we were at. Uh, I have mentioned it in an episode about how we were at my nephew's um, first communion mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, and so we were witnessing it. And I was telling you, it's a. It's a very emotional experience. You're watching all these kids. You know, it's just like a coming of age time as well. They're like yeah, seven or totally, eight. Totally, totally. And, and uh, so I look back at Bethany. She was. Um, she wasn't sitting with me at the time, and I saw that she was just just crying, and I was like, "Oh, you know, she must be getting." Uh, emotional, given what's going on, I was, too,, uh, you know, just looking at my nephew, how fast he's grown. And I talked to her after. And she explained why she was crying. And there was, there was a kid who uh, we actually knew the parents. and and the reason the parents stuck in my brain is because they had two names for their two daughters that, uh, that we really liked and were thought we might use for our own if we had two daughters. Ogle and, Fork so, and Butthole. Yeah, and exactly. Names, Ogle yeah. Fork and Butthole. Yeah, those are great We ended names. up just sticking with Ogle Fork. Um, that's Grace's <laughs> middle name now. Great, I love yeah. it. Four O's, right? Uh, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's the only way to do it. Yeah, definitely. And she explained she was crying because one of the kids that was up um, getting their first communion was one of his, his this parents uh, this family's girls, um, and uh, she was dressed fully in a suit. And I didn't even realize it, actually. You know, I saw her and I just thought it was a boy. It didn't even occur to me in the moment. And Bethany was explaining it to me after and how doing that. So this is a Catholic church. (laughs) And, you know, Catholic church is not known for being the most liberal of churches and allowing for that kind of stuff to fly, you know, still won't allow um, gay marriage or women priests and all that. So just seeing a child who is allowed to be themselves in a place like that and be totally accepted by their parents. In, in a religious ceremony. And a in a community, like exactly. And it's just, <laughs> it is so emotional, you know? Like, it's emo- it's it's um, it's heartwarming in a way, and at the same time, it's like, again, frustrating that that isn't just the norm. Like, why wouldn't we accept that, you know? And can, imagine that same child being raised uh, with a family who just like, again, squashed that. like, mm-hmm. and, and they had to dress a certain way, and like, Ah, man, it's, it'd be, it'd be horrible. It, it's so sad that so many people have to live uh, rejecting their identity and who they really are. I can only yeah. imagine how
0: difficult that must be. I, I can't even. I, I try to, but I, I couldn't yeah. even imagine how how difficult that would be. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, I've talked to trans friends of mine about it, and, and it really yeah it seems like it would be a, an enormously different experience. for Have you up.
1: thought about you know with your own kids, like how that conversation would go, or like what your response would be if Jude wants to like. Wear a dress or like, you know, just yeah. in the hypotheticals. I mean, because that's something interesting that sure. we talked yeah. about. Sure, yeah.
0: I mean, it's it's something that we would go full in on, you yeah. know, because I, I, I feel like you follow what you love. You know, you follow your heart. Um, This is something that it was kind of semi-related. But so one thing that we've been doing since both of them have been infants is taking them to public demonstrations. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 I remember we went, yeah, we went to the Women's March. We went to the Women's March together, right? Yep. Um, and Jude has been to like four pride parades, I think now the his fifth one's coming up. Yeah. I've seen some great photos. I mean, in the first one, he was like a newborn, you know, basically. Uh, and, and so for him and, and, you know, when he was old enough to be kind of figuring out what was going on in these things, he'd be like, what, what, what is the point of this? You know? Yeah. And I'd be like, the point is that if you, if you, if people love each other and if they can, they can, um, have, you know, they can have enough, uh, like they can give consent to each other. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm not trying, I don't remember how I phrased it back then, but basically <laughs> I was like, if, if people love each other and if they're comfortable with it, yeah. then then they should be able to love each other. And that's, that, that's like all that this basically boils down to. And he was like, yeah, that makes sense. And I was like, exactly. right. <laughs> so carry that with you for the rest of your life and you'll be fine. Remember that, right. kid. Yeah. If two people can say yes to each other and they're of a certain age and they love each other, then they should do whatever the hell they want to do. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I and I think reinforcing that over time by going to things like you know feminism demonstrations and things like that and not raising militantly <laughs> social justice warrior children because right. I don't think any of us want that. We don't want our kids to live this really intense, you know, like hardened life at a young age where, no. where they're always like confronting gender stereotypes and being like, I want to play with the dolls. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Give them back, you know. But just letting them, normalizing it so that they feel like it's completely fine. And and also to be like, if you want to wear a dress, it doesn't mean you're transgender, you know. Exactly, Sometimes yeah. you just want to wear a dress. And, right. You know, it's fine. Like, I I don't. Yeah. But some people do that are cisgendered, straight people absolutely and they should be able to and they shouldn't be made fun of for it yeah that being said i think it's been interesting you know like so jude his his passion is race cars right Mm -hmm. and henry's passion is superheroes and those are two super gender normative things for young boys to be into right henry is different i guess because he hasn't been in social situations with other peers yet yeah much but with jude i know part of it is that the boys all get together and they play with their race cars at school that's like what they do like that's when they go out and play in the yard they're playing you know in in the uh on the playset like the mm-hmm. playing cars you know yeah um, at the at the table and something else that's sad is that um, the, we've gotten feedback from his teachers that he really loves like the engineering table where they get to build things and he really loves like the activities table where he gets to like do physical activities but he doesn't like the art table very much mm. Um, and and i was like oh that's like a shame like what what can we do to help with that and they were like well it's difficult because it's all the boys at the engineering table and all the uh, girls at the art table man and there is something to be said for how difficult it is for a young kid to tra- it's not like he's going to transcend that and and of be course. like i'm going to cross over and join yeah. the women yeah 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 the girls even though even though i don't want to do art right now you know yeah, the reality yeah. is that he loves engineering and, you can't and he loves force cars that that wouldn't be productive either right and it would also be traumatic because mm-hmm. he'd be leaving his friends who are the boys in the class unfortunately yeah and he'll be joining with these kids that don't let him play puppies and kittens with them because he's not conforming to their gender normative stereotypes of how you play puppies and kittens, you know? Yeah. So, and they're at an age where, like, they have no vocabulary for this yet. They're just, it's so hard kids.
1: because, you know, also in those articles, it's, it's this circular thing that ends up happening where, uh, especially at a very, very young age, even before three, their, their brains are looking at everything in a very sort of black and white way, and they start to see groups form. And they just automatically assume that, OK, that's what's supposed to happen right. always in every instance. Right. Um, or even just the fact that we so often use the terms boy, girl or she, he or whatever. Um, they start to pick up on that and the things that we associate with that, you know, and they just automatically like that's what they go on.
0: Because the reality is society is set up to reinforce that. Absolutely. Know, everything about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, the fact that, like, we were watching Black Panther last night, which was amazing that it's out now and we can watch oh, it at man, home because we can't, saw it yeah. so many times in theater. I have the to finally so see great. it. You got to see it. It's yeah. so good. And watch it with the kids. Um, and Ryan Coogler, the director, who's amazing, was talking in the beginning about how he was very conscious, conscious of making a lot of really quality parts for women in the movie because mm-hmm. it's sort of something that he believes very strongly there's in. There's been so many more lately. It's so exciting. Yeah, I think there's definitely Star been, wars been change and, but still, at the end of the day, it's about a king who's a man. You know? mm. So even though all the warriors are women, and and the scientist is a woman, and you know yeah. the queen is is like the regent of the whole kingdom. Like at the end of the day, like the the guy who's ruling it is a is a the boy of the previous king, the son. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And uh, so it's tough because I don't want to take their enjoyment of it away. I mean, you know, they're getting to watch these women in these very strong roles, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah. But it's also like you know, saying that it's it's I, I mean, we haven't done it yet, but I would like to have the conversation at least with Jude about how. You know, it could have been a woman in this position as as well, but um, because of the way yeah. society set up, that's not really the lineage. You know? I was
1: also struck by um, there's this balancing act of the things that you try to call out and teach them about, right, which you noticed that's something that you have to sort of purposefully do because it isn't necessarily the case that you can just focus on the modeling part. Like you have to call out when you're reading a book or, you know, watching a movie where it's like the norm that a man is in the power position or whatever. Um, So there's that end. And then there's the modeling end where you know that so much of what they're picking up is just what you're observing. And the reason that, like, I, I struggle with that a little bit is because, The more you call it out, you're also drawing attention to the gender, uh, the issue Mm. of gender and the fact that there are differences. And I get that it's important to do in instances, um, but overemphasis there may also, like, build up a notion that otherwise maybe they would have. I don't know. I don't want to go too far with that because I get how, like, their, you know, their understanding of gender is going to be shaped by society regardless. Like, if we never talked about it, you know and then we're leaving it to society purely to shape it. Right. Um, but there is a balancing act there, right, of like the modeling and the uh, the preaching or, or teaching, I guess is a better word for it. I do feel really lucky in that um, I have, for Luke, uh, you know, a two-year-old sister who is like <laughs> – who is just a little aggressive, you know um, – Very uh, opinionated and outspoken little girl who's going to probably be, like, bossing him around, you know, which, of course, we also want to keep in line so that she's kind to him. And she is. She loves him. Um, But I I think the point there is just that, you know, making sure that there are enough uh, models for, in the case of men, you know, or boys, making sure that they have some girls in their lives that are serving as models for them. Uh, and vice versa for girls that they see boys, you know, or they see dads who cry or, you know, and, and I think the more we can surround our kids in those models, to the extent that we have any control over it, the better off we'll be, or at least we'll increase their chances of seeing some good stuff in both, you know, or yeah, breaking yeah. the norms. At well, least. and it
0: all fits into the whole, like, you know, um, showing, not telling thing, right? Exactly. Like, like, we don't have to necessarily be vocally calling attention to, to, to discriminatory gender things in the, in the public, but we can be showing them that that doesn't have to always be the case we can be you right. know, introducing them to things that w- that would contravene that um you know we could be encouraging them to play rough with girls too you yeah, know to be yeah. like like you know because the, the boys at recess you know will go out and they'll play you know football with like you know a little like soccer ball thing and i'll be like well have the have the girls join you, you yeah, know? yeah, like, yeah. They're, they're probably faster than you are like let them get involved you know right um and uh and, and it's but it's it's tough because society doesn't let that happen very frequently you know i will say before we go Two quick things. One is something that we love to do a lot together. Me and Jude is play video games. It's something that we've always, you know, it's something that I love a lot, and that he's grown up with. Yeah, and he, and, you know, I can't wait for that. With uh, oh, it's amazing, and, and he's really good at it because yeah. if you if you like, you know, and it's also not we don't sit him in a room and put a PlayStation on and then le- you tape know. his eyes open. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's like a it's a bonding thing. And we of do. Course. He sits on my lap, and we both have controllers. We play together,
1: and you're playing together. It's not like he's just you know by himself, totally yeah. absorbed. And then it's and like somebody. a way to have
0: a, an adventure with somebody. It's you know, exactly. and to visualize it and to have oh, agency over what you're doing. And uh, I have been very consciously since he was a kid trying to make sure that we're both playing as female characters as well when we can. Mm, yeah, when there's like a selection of multiple, like you know, Rayman is a great example. It's a game we both love, yeah. and uh, there's like these female barbarians in the game that mm-hmm. are like very powerful and they're really cool, <laughs> and they're all they're all women. And, and we like playing as them, you yeah, know, and, yeah. and making him feel like that's not something that's awkward, like the, that, you know, if you want to be the female barbarian, be the female barbarian. Totally. You know? um, so video games are another avenue for that. And I'm sure we'll talk about that on another episode. Lastly, I'll say that I feel like the model set by, by Ridley Scott's Alien, which brings uh, back to my comes other- <laughs> back to Alien with
1: you. Yeah, it does. But I agree.
0: Yes, some there is something about the way that the character of Ripley was handled in that movie that to me is because it was written gender neutrally. It was written for whoever was best for the part.
1: Oh, I didn't realize
0: that. Yeah. 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 Um, They just switched pronouns. but That makes total sense. uh, Uh They pick Sigourney Weaver. And there is something about that and about the way that it was just written as just a really strong, really commanding, really interesting female, complicated character who wasn't necessarily being held up as an example of, like, a feminist archetype. That's right. But was just allowed to just be herself and to be amazing, you know? Yeah. So when we play aliens in the yard, which we do all the time, Jude is always Ripley, you know? Yeah. And he has never once been like, oh, well, she's a girl. Like, I should be talking with a higher voice when I pretend to be I'm her, so you know?
1: excited about that. Again, I do see that as a trend now, more so that you see more female protagonists. It's too slow, right? It still needs to be more. But, like, for me, you know, seeing Star Wars be rebooted and have it be female protagonists in several of them now, um, And Ray, you know, I already uh, last year. So Grace was only one and a half. I bought her uh, a Ray costume that was a four or five year old costume. Nice, nice. <laughs> Disney yeah. had it like an insane deal. I couldn't not buy it. So I hope she still likes Ray from Star Wars. <laughs> uh, otherwise, or the Ray have to turn find out to another, another like Some kid. horrible
0: villain in the next. Yeah, villain. right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
1: exactly. But like, it is so exciting to see that you know, and raising a girl and a boy for them both to be able to see uh, women in these
0: kick-ass roles, right? Right. You know, and to be, and to be aware that there are differences in the genders that it's not, it's not, we're not saying that we're living in a post-gender society, but we're saying we're living in a society where the best of whoever wants to be out there can, can be put to the forefront and modeled. And you know, that a boy can play a girl part if he wants to, because it's a freaking awesome part knowing that it's, that it's originally, you know, a girl and and not being afraid of that being like, this is my version of it, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's it's tough. It's, it's a. I feel like, you know, we've had two kind of thorny episodes in a row, um, both around this issue that's so complicated that there's no way we're ever going to be able to really address it in, in, a, in a perfect way. But I'm glad that we're trying. You yeah, know? that's it, man. And it's like an incremental thing. I
1: appreciate Sebastian's words. It's like it feels like it has to happen immediately with this movement, with social media and everything, but it takes time. Yeah. And if we're just like helping you know even get the next generation to a better place a better starting place where they don't have some of the stereotypes that we've dealt with growing up i think i think that's all we can ask for i agree yeah all Thanks, right man cool good
0: conversation all right keep winging it hashtag. keep winging it, it. <laughs> bye guys